Hello, adventurers, and welcome to the Mike Flares podcast. Coming to you from that table in the park. You know the table, the one, the table in the park, the one in the park with the guy. He's the guy. There's a guy. He's sitting at the table and he's asking people to change his mind about things. The guy in the park. Anyway, I'm your host Connor O'Brien, and joining me as always is my co-host Martin O'Dwyer. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Oh, that one's a doozy this week. I. I was like, what? You, what? What table in the park? What? What? Was, just, oh my god, it's the meme. <laughs> so good. Good job. You took me on a journey there, so good job. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's what we're going for. I wanted to kind of lead you down the rabbit hole a little bit, like the table. You know, the one, the table in the park, the one in the park with the guy, the guy table in the park. Uh, I was actually, I was going to do a different one where I was like coming to you from a slightly different location because I'm, I'm in a different room of the house today. Yeah. Uh, but the, I, I, I remember the guy in the meme being like, uh, whatever, blank, 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 change my mind, <laughs> um, and it felt appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> I must say that it did is hell of a upgrade to the background having Cezora from the King Killer Chronicles hanging behind you along with like all of your D&D books Molly Mock. and Molly Mock, Molly Mock Leaf, yeah yeah uh, yeah definitely more more suitable I'm currently um, remodeling my office uh, as I told you a little yeah. while ago uh, and hopefully uh, I, it won't, honestly I'm thinking about it now I, put, I set up the, the, the desk in here and then I put up my monitor and I kind of got the framing right to include all the bits behind me and then I thought Next week, I'm going to have a brand new office that will not look as nice <laughs> in the background because there will not be a sword or any of my TNT books. And I'm like, this seems like a weird downgrade, despite the fact that I'm spending a lot of time doing it at my office. Yeah. All I got here for now, um, until I move into my own place, is I have the Green Ranger Dragon Dagger. Um, and yes, it does. I mean, as far as. It does, as far as. It does make sense. <laughs> it does. It does. Because I am yeah. a massive child. Um, but yeah, uh, when I, once I move into my own place, I do have uh, I have Hadafang, I have Ice, and I have Andoril, Um that will all uh, be somewhere in the background once I have my own place, along with a library. And... Was it Hada or Halafang? Uh, Hadafang, Arwen's sword, the sword of the House of Elrond. Oh yeah, that's a really cool scimitar kind of stuff. Yeah, it's been. almost like a yeah, almost like an elvish katana almost. Mm, actually it's probably yeah, more but, like a scimitar the curve is much more pronounced actually now that I think yeah, yeah. and you know what all of them are cool. war hang- wall hangers but they are pointy as hell so don't come to my house oh this one behind, like this one honestly Tara wouldn't let me put this up for a while because we have cats and she was terrified <laughs> that if, if like for whatever reason the the, the mount gave out ooh, you know so then, then you had cats <laughs> then I had then it would be had past tense yeah um Oof, let's not think about that. <laughs> My babies. Um, oh, three yeah, of them, yeah. uh, Stop. <laughs> I, I've, I have two cats and one stray that my fiance feeds every now and again. You have three cats, uh, just admit it. You have three cats, Connor. I have two cats. You're like a man having a heroin problem, except I've, it's just I, a cat I, you I don't two, like. I have two cats and a stepson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, God. Shots fired. I... I, I I, I, I like I like the the third cat, but it's just like you'd like him more if he wasn't in your house. <laughs> <laughs> I just he do you know what he's he's very he's very aggressive when he's outside. Not to, not to us. He's he's pretty calm when he's indoors. But like I often I often look out the back and he'll be like up on one of the shed roofs in one of our neighbors' gardens or whatever. And if so, help me if he comes across another cat, he goes from this little fuzzball which is actually who's actually quite nice and really likes pets and stuff like that to being like a, a bloody weapon he is terrifying he like the noises that come out of him and like i want i once watched him corner a cat in the garden and he was just doing that there kind of thing really really loud so loud that i could hear him inside not to go out and, and try and break it up and when i went out he turned around to look at me and the other cat thought 
Oh, this is my chance. <laughs> and, and the other cat took like three steps and he turned back around and he saw that he had moved and he went, as in, don't you fucking go anywhere. Uh, See, this is why dogs are always supreme. Uh, I don't know, man. Cats are... Do you ever see like like cats when they when they're proper like fight even dogs and stuff like that they're just they're they're so fast and vicious. Okay. They're kind of. I terrifying. would I would put literally every penny I own on any husky versus any cat. Yeah. Well, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> and I picked husky because it's a medium. I could put that. What, there. I what would if it was actually, a tiger? Tigers are cats. <laughs> fair enough. Um, equivalent. <laughs> a pack of wolves. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. No. I just prefer dogs and all as well, particularly after having. Uh, three cats temporarily live in my house right they smell like absolute shit oh my god well here if here cats can be very smelly if you don't like take care of them properly like if you clean their litters regularly cats themselves not smelly cats litter very smelly so if you don't clean their litter regularly yeah there is definitely <laughs> every there. single house where i spend any length of time that there's been a cat or even like that cat smells like shit <laughs> you, including mine uh oh actually no fair fair point fair point you're the only exception if if if, uh, if you take care of them no smell uh, uh, or you could have a yeah. dog. <laughs> oh. uh, dogs are a lot more work. This is not the purpose of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hot take: dogs are better than cats, and always will be. I thought she funny you mentioned that, Martin, because that's exactly what our topic is today. We're talking about D and D hot takes. Ooh. Um, so I was scrolling Twitter as I want to do, uh, and I came across someone who had posted uh, a, a request uh, saying. Give us your hottest D and D hot takes. We'll start XP base leveling socks. Was the the initial tweet uh, I saw here? Um, I would hard agree. Uh, there is here's the thing, right? Uh, we talked about this a second ago. So I'm on, on my phone here. Uh, this person made this one. A lot of people responded very passionately that they do not like milestone leveling in the slightest. Um, there was one guy. Let me see if I can find this here. Yeah, so this guy appears to have his own D and D based Twitter account. Milestone leveling is a cop out that relieves the DM of having to calculate experience earned at the expense of player agency. Instead of earning their growth, they have to wait for the DM to pass levels out like party favors or door prizes. What do you think of that, Martin? I, well, I sorry. So are you saying when you don't pass when you are saying when you do XP leveling and they get a level, you don't pass a level out like it's a party favor? I mean that that's that's kind of my like don't get me wrong. I think like if you want to play XP or you want to play Milestone, I I think whichever way suits you best is perfectly fine by me. Yeah. Personally, I prefer Milestoning, but this guy seems to very adamantly hate Milestone leveling, um because one it takes away player agency. No, it doesn't. And I talked I talked I talked about this to Tara last night. I brought this up with her, and she said that she preferred XP leveling personally when we played in the campaign, but she is also a person who uh who really enjoys like games like Final Fantasy and the grind that comes with. You know, killing mobs so you can eventually go and face down whatever big monsters on oh, your yeah. head. So, so I can understand that perspective. And I think it falls down to whether you're well, like I, 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 man, I, I, I love those. I, I, I love the Souls games, which is literally just grind, 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 yeah. die, oh, yeah. lose all your progress, grind, 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 get back those souls <laughs> you died, grind, 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 grind. Cool, a new boss, dead, grind, grind. Like I, <laughs> yeah. But I, no, I, I see. I think if you do milestoning properly, um, and in terms of like. The thing with milestoning is it's more of like a narrative progression rather than like a level or XP progression because you can go like, okay, yeah. this is the story I'm telling in this area. You need an intro, you need a, a start to the story, something that's going to get them into the thing. And then you have loads of small fights along the way to 
like the big fights and then you have the big ending fight that's how i see it. that's why i run all my games you have like an intro a few sessions then mm-hmm. you have sessions where they begin to pick up what's going on then you have sessions where then you have a couple of sessions where it'll be okay we're in the thick of things here and we're discovering what's going on and then you have the climax of everything where all everything is revealed and and things come to a conclusion and i think if you do that properly and if you set, do that setup properly and you uh, and like you um create challenge uh, encounters um regularly and of an appropriate level that yeah even if you're not going mm, well this plus this is this carry the one multiply by this you can still absolutely you're probably still going to cover over most of what they would have gotten in the level with xp because you're actually one raising the challenge as they level yeah exactly i mean that's that's one thing that actually kind of uh, about this that i particularly disagree with um is that uh, it's a he says it's a cop-out for dms to not have to calculate experience earned there's not a lot of calculation there you add up all the xp you divide it by the number of people boom done also the like, device he's using to type that on can calculate it for you I, I was gonna say with D Beyond now as well, like the soul, even just to calculate on your phone. I mean, like, and also, I feel like, like the, the idea of it being a cop out too, so you don't have to, so you can avoid doing maths. I feel is a really weak argument. But like, also, do you know, I know, and I know we said it, we have a whole episode on CR not making sense, but CR mm. is still a good guideline. And yeah, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna be like, okay, yeah, do you know, I've, I've four level eleven players, so like, I, I, according to the DMG, a proper, um, like a regular yeah. challenge for them would be a, a, a CR eleven creature. Yeah. So. Yeah, now, now that's not necessarily accurate to my party, so I'm probably going to bump it up to like CR twelve or thirteen, um, to give him yeah, a bit yeah. of a, to give him a bit of a challenge if it's just one monster in particular, um, but like, if you do that, like, we are matching that you're again, it's you're upping the challenge level as they go, so like naturally, even if you're not paying attention to the XP and not using it, technically speaking, they're probably covering over what you would in an XP grind. I want to say it was Davy Chappie did a video on this where he basically said that like. I think you actually might have shared it to me. Um, Probably. He basically said that, like... Um, oh, is it the pow- power in D&D doesn't exist? That's it. Power in D&D doesn't exist that's because no matter what level you are, your DM is going to base the encounters you come up come across based on the level you are. So if you're a 5th level party, your DM, your DM will create adequate 5th level encounters. Likewise, if you're 15th level, your DM is going to create av- adequate 15th level encounters. So the idea that, like... Yeah, the, uh, you're always going to be hitting... A certain mark and your dm will know and regard we're not getting into like the whole cr thing yeah but cr is a good guideline it takes some tweaking with, with your own instinct on the side but you're always going to end up doing that so like my my kind of issue here is with this is like and with kind of xp leveling is that i noticed by the time we were hitting like level eight or nine which is where we changed over in our previous campaign mm-hmm. we were doing xp and we changed around level eight or nine to milestone it and the thing i noticed about that is that it was becoming it was becoming increasingly harder and taking much, much longer to level you guys up. I wanted you to get to higher levels so you can unlock new stuff. I find that XP goes very slow because unless you're doing the standard adventuring day of three encounters a day, all of the, the recommended level that's in the DMG, mm-hmm. you're not going to be leveling that fast. And, and as well as that, the higher in levels you get, there's fewer high-level monsters that would actually give you adequate XP in a fight you're going to run out of monsters really, really fast in the higher-end game. It's probably, if people play XP a lot, it's probably why a lot of high-end games End don't 10. exist. Most, most uh, I think, campaigns make it to about the 12th uh, level. I think, 10. Early. I think 10 is the average that, that campaigns end up. Oh, the 10? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, I feel like if you're... Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like if you're doing XP, when you're, like, a level 17 party, there's few enough things out there. I mean, as well as that, like... <laughs> 
how do you justify putting a party up against something insanely strong yeah. which is maybe adequately level for them but it's insanely strong how do you justify like i don't know if they're going down the road on the way to the mountain it doesn't make and you're sense like I, I i need a random encounter well i can't put them up against 10 hobgoblins or 40 hobgoblins which yeah. would be probably an adequate fight i need to do something different i can't i could say there's a bailor that just comes out from behind the trees but why is there a bailor in the forest just moping around you know yeah um i think it's it, it ties into a lot of people i'm i'm not i i'm probably i haven't experienced enough of myself to give a, a proper valid um opinion on it really but rather than just my feel but a lot of people i've seen online say that they, they feel that D doesn't scale particularly well into late game um, with certain classes yeah. outpacing others like what you were saying about challenge and monsters and stuff um, and yeah I, I can see that as well and like again I'm only in mid-tier D&D still as my first um, campaign as a dungeon master but like right my character's level 11 right so for an example uh, they had a boss fight the previous night and a part of that boss fight it wasn't the only thing they fought but it, I put the shard limb dragon in there at CR 11 uh, now if I were to go by the standard adventuring day which you were saying like three three encounters per day it's something like yeah. that, I think. Yeah. So, so by that logic, I would need three CR eleven encounters every day for my party. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, 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 I see. I can see maybe doing that, but like, there's going to become a point where either you're pulling these ridiculous monsters out of, like, like you're saying, if they're just walking down the road, going from like a small town to another small town to just like. I don't know, visit family or get some business. Like, you're going to have to start doing some crazy narrative gymnastics to be like, and the, yeah, like we're saying, and the bailor rises out of the hay barn. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So, I need I need an encounter that they can face before they get to the trolls in the cave because they took the job to go fight the trolls. Exactly. Great. I need a, cha a suitable challenge if I'm going to stick to these adventuring day options. And like, I just think when you hit like late game, it's going to be very, very challenging to create enough encounters and encounters of like that make sense yeah encounters that that actually make sense in the world like in, if you just drop a bailor and in, uh, into a random side of the road fight in the same way you would bandits when you're at level two yes then uh then i feel like that's very like you're either gonna have to do know. that or you're gonna or just gonna have to pull some stunt where you send your you, you manage you pull your players through the eventual rift into a much more inhospitable plane of existence <laughs> yeah and then the the next the next while is okay yeah we gotta fight our way out of this hell dimension to get back home like one okay that to be honest that does kind of sound cool yeah, that but, sounds really good but, yeah. <laughs> but if you are forced to do that by the XP system I think that's like that would be a sick narrative way to do. you could do some really cool milestoning with that I just personally I I, I think it kind of falls down to how uh, how people perceive. D and D, or how what D and D is, and what it gives them. If you're maybe someone who sees D and D as a game that mm. um, facilitates you living out a story, then I think you'll probably prefer milestoning. Conversely, if you're someone who sees D and D as a story that facilitates you playing a game, you might prefer the XP grind because you like the gameplay aspect instead of the story. I, I in my in my opinion, I think that's the way it falls. Um, I one other thing about this guy's comment as well. He says that uh, it takes away player agency. Now, I read this guy commented on literally every other person's comment in this thread. He really passionately feels this way. Um, but cut down what on I the salt, noticed, my friend. <laughs> what uh, what I notice is one thing he said, and I kind of see where he's coming from. He likes that they that if they know there's a dragon at the top of the mountain, and but they're only like third level, 
they he likes that they can go right i want to go let's go and take some other small side quests and kill some trolls and kill some hobgoblins and whatever and level ourselves up a couple levels and then we can go and face the dragon he likes the agency of being able to decide how much you can like train on the side and, and do other side quests to enable you to do that higher thing. And I get where you're coming from. Again, Tara, for example, really, really likes Final Fantasy. That's a big part of those games is grinding to then fight the boss. But I, I wouldn't say that it takes away agency from the players. I would say that players have just as much agency just in a different capacity. Because yeah. rather than picking how much you're going to grind before fighting the boss, you could pick what, you know, are you going to fight? You, know, you, you can pick other missions or other goals to accomplish. Um... And like I said, I think leveling like that in that sense doesn't work because as, as we already said, D&D &D power doesn't exist in D&D &D because your, your combats are always going to be scaled to a certain amount. I, I think in most D&D &D games, and I could be wrong, you know, correct me if I'm, if I'm incorrect. Um, I think if you, I think in like some, some scenarios, I've had cases where I'm like, I have this mission planned. I send you guys on this mission, but maybe you get distracted and go and do this other thing and you come back and you're a level higher when you come back. I will scale it up a little bit to match the level you're currently on. Totally. So if this person is talking about having the agency of being able to go and level, I'm not going to lie. I personally... It's a false, um, it's a false equivalence, I think. Um, because, like, again, like, yeah, you have the agency to go and level, but, like, regardless, like, you're not going to go... If you're going to go and fight the dragon now, yeah, it's, gonna, it's probably going to be deadly. But, like, you know you're not strong enough to fight the dragon, so you're going to go and fight things to get stronger, right? But, like... Mm even if you level to the point like you're going to level to the point where that fight will be doable your dungeon master will still balance that to be like a hard or deadly fight for you exactly yeah yeah because because yeah. i think sorry I, I that's mean, that's, that's a better way of saying it, probably like at level three the, the fight is going to be deadly at level five the fight is going to be deadly yeah exactly regardless of how you level again and maybe this is because i run the game from a very story driven perspective i think that i because I, I i'm not trying to make an encounter and saying right if you want to like run away for a while and do all these other quests and then come back you're now going to be a higher level than this encounter so the dragon should be easy i get the agency of that and i do understand where this person's coming from however i'm from the way i run the game i'm not trying to create a game where you can hack the system by grinding on mobs for a while and then overcome the encounter that way i want you guys i i'm creating a game where things are narratively tense and action-packed and if you come back two levels higher than you're meant to be and whoop the dragon in two rounds, well, I'm like, that's not very exciting. And I want this to be a cool story mm -hmm. moment when you defeat the dragon. If if all the dwarves went into into the Lonely Mountain and stabbed <laughs> Smog because they were all 20th level and he was just dead instantly, that wouldn't have been a very good uh, very good book. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, and I, I had a point there that I just entirely escaped me as soon as I opened my mouth. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, do you have any other hot takes? Uh, uh, this is just this is just one. I have a few in this in this thread and another thread open. Well, um, so let me know. Yeah, sure. So I um so do you know that meme on Twitter where it's like it'll be like uh, four or five pictures of an actor and they're usually like some someone we all like like Seth Rogen or someone and it'll be like he always understands the assignment or whatever. Yeah. In this case, I did not I think correctly understand the assignment. So I came up with a page of my own D and D hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one I really like and I think makes sense, right? And I think you're gonna hate is um, oh, okay. Go on, hit me, hit me. Counterspell is an irritating spell at times, but it makes sense for it to exist. Oh, I completely agree. I I, I oh, actually damn. don't hundred percent agree with that. <laughs> no, I uh, I I was only watching uh, a video about this on I think XP level three has a video where he says counterspell is bullshit, and I get okay. Here's the thing: 
his argument is that it, the counter spell is basically be. the you don't get, yeah exactly he calls it the you don't get a turn spell <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I get it I do I understand there's loads that, of you but... don't get a turn spells the whole person is you don't get a turn <laughs> like... disintegrate is a you don't get any turns yeah. spell no you, um, do, you get power, power word kill is a fuck you spell you don't write up a new character to be fair disintegrate does give you one turn you turn from flesh to dust <laughs> exactly <laughs> No, but I feel like uh, I think Counterspell is a perfectly legitimate yeah. spell. I think is it frustrating when yeah. you're hit with it, like if both as DM and player. Oh yeah, it's intended if it's DM, to be. Like, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think it is. I think, and I think, uh, I honestly, I wish there was more reactionary. I love spells. a reactionary spell, I, and that's why I like. That's why I particularly like ancestral guardian so much because you have so much with your reaction that you can do, mm-hmm. and like you could like not to be like meddling in everyone else's affairs, but like it's it's that reactive stuff. Like you can adapt to a situation. I, lo- like, yeah, I love it's, that. It's, indeed, it's, it's a support you know? thing, like yeah. as well. It's 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 been able to block damage or reduce damage, like um, but st- even like not, stone but even not like specifically, yeah, sorry, but even not specifically ancestral barbarian, uh, ancestral guardian, barbarian, but like just those kind of like you do a thing. Oh, I have the. It's it's such a like. I, I nearly said like, such like almost like an anime moment where it's like oh I have this sword that only cut, that can cut through anything it's like oh well I have the shield that can block everything <laughs> you know <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's, it's basically the Yu-Gi-Oh when you're like you've activated yes, my trap that's card. exactly it sorry that's exact that's exactly what it is yeah you know yeah uh, it's it's kind of like I I feel like I wish it was more reactionary stuff because like I said being like it's, I feel it's, like it's more player agency cr- is what it is that's that's what it is it gives you more player agency thank you yes absolutely like I I love. Uh, I, I love if someone's playing a Goliath getting hit with an attack and going Stones Endurance I block a D10 plus whatever of this attack and or, then I have or... it <laughs> <laughs> and then I have it because I'm a barbarian or like you, you're able to reduce uh, damage taken by allies and yourself with a reaction yep. is that it's like 2D6 for uh, production? Uh, 2D6 now 3D6 at 10 and 4D6 at 14 like and that's a reaction you can use every single turn, but I mean, like that makes a difference. Oh yeah, you know. But it also has and, a like, cost because then I can't do as a DM? opportunity attacks. Yeah, <laughs> but like there's a cost. I can't do opportunity attacks. Then. Absolutely, yeah. And at the end, there's a cost with uh, with counter spell as well. Yeah. Because when you cast when you cast counter spell, you're burning a third level slot, which is one less fireball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which might be blocking a fireball. <laughs> Yo, yeah, <laughs> I think it's very it's, like if you look at it, it's, always, it's like hmm, level three. Fireball and counterspell. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder was that was that a conscious choice? To I be feel. Like, yeah. I, I wonder was it like fireball? Cool. Shit, we need something to do with fireball. Counterspell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No, I I, th- I think counterspell is perfectly legitimate. I, it, it is frustrating if you are a player and you go, "I'm gonna cast this," and then the DM goes, "This bad guy counterspells." Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. But uh, plenty of things in D and D are, but likewise it works both ways. We've seen uh, we've seen counter spells be counter spelled, oh, uh, and my... th- sometimes a DM will be like, "This guy's going to use his eighth level spell," and a player's like counter spell. Yeah, <laughs> and then you're like, you have to roll for it, and then they roll for it and they get it, and you're like, "Oh, he just wasted his eighth well, level slot. That sucks." I think the height of the ridiculousness of counter spell that I was in. This is in a good way. It was in critical role, um, and Ford had learned counterspell. So like yeah. the bad guy casts a spell, Caleb casts counterspell. The bad guy counterspells Caleb's counterspell. So Ford counterspells the bad guy's counterspell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I actually love that. I really enjoy counterspell. That's like that's like it... Magic the Gathering levels of like the stack. Yeah, yeah. I uh, no genuinely. I think counterspell is a great spell. Um, it is. It, it can be frustrating. It, it it is kind of the you don't get a turn spell. Mm. Um, but you still have movement. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, that's probably only your action as well. But there's spells or bonus actions too. 
Exactly. Yeah. And, and also, like, if you look at it that way, you just burn someone a third level spell slot and a reaction from someone. From, from the bat. It, it's like uh, legendary resistances. Exactly. Like the, the, the good way to look at legendary resistances is when they use it on one of your spells or something, guess what? That's one less they have for today. So you're you're grind, yeah. you're gradually grinding that stuff down. I always take that um, as well as a sign of, oh, they're worried about that ability. I should do that again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, um, I think Counterspell, perfectly legitimate spell. In fact, I wish there was more... I wish it was like a redirect spell. Oh, like a reflect, like reflect maybe. Yeah, well, oh. like it could be like counter spell, but maybe like it's like it's like fifth or sixth level or something. So it does it does a counter spell, but it actually reflects it back at them. And we'll say if it was a case that Ooh, mirror spell, uh, would, mirror spell be great. Yeah, exactly. So like someone fires a, a chromatic orb at you, and they roll to attack, and they get a nineteen, and then you go, I cast mirror spell, and you reflect it back at them. Do a uh, spell, spell at, uh, at another target. You could do but it then, like um like you could do it like counter spell where you do a, a spell casting check and if you roll above what they roll you reflect the spell back to them. That could work as well. Yeah, I was I was thinking along the lines of you would use their attack roll, so based on how good their attack roll is, your redirected attack oh. hits <laughs> at the same level. You know. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think that'd be really cool. I'm gonna make I'm gonna write that spell. I'm gonna write mirrored mirror spell mirror mirror yeah, spell. Mirror spell. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm going to write that spell. Absorb kind of works like that, though, I suppose. Which is? Absorb elements kind of works like that, I suppose. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, can, it, it makes you resistant, and then... You, also, you I really love that spell. Attack you make. I really love that spell. Absorb elements is also great. If you're a wizard, and you get hit with a fireball, and even if you, like, succeed your your dex check, which you may not, because wizards may not necessarily have high dex, um, you can then go, I burn a first level slot, which you have a fair... A fair amount of uses of yeah. and can get them back using your arcane recovery on a short rest um you can go i burn this i you immediately take a quarter damage because you half the half or if you fail you take half but whatever that can be really clutch in in in, in some moments like you know totally. i think again i think reactionary spells shield i apt i adore shield i adore shield like I, it might be one of my favorite spells in the game you wizards sorcerers and warlocks fucking everywhere <laughs> <laughs> i think i honestly think shield is one of the best spells in the game i was playing an eldritch knight recently and i didn't i i wanted to do this reveal moment because no one everyone thought i was just playing a playing old fighter and i didn't tell anyone i was playing an eldritch knight uh, and i wanted to reveal that i was a magic user because in this campaign there was a big thing about magic users being kind of illegal and stuff like that and i wanted to do this thing where like a giant brings his axe down on top of me and the dm is like that's a 19 to hit and i go okay and i just look at my character sheet and as the axe is coming down i go shield and my guy just puts a hand up and this dome appears around me and the axe just goes and stops and bounces off and off I just had I had that little cinematic in my yeah. head. Never have to play it out, but uh, but I think Shield is so badass and so because again, any any spell where someone's like I do this, and then you get to quickly go, I'm gonna use this ability to counter it. Yeah. I think it's so cinematic and so action packed and so awesome. Yeah, I, 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 and again, it, it's just it's giving you more options as a player, and I think that's what I like the most. Is like I love having lots of options. Like I can do this, or this, or this, or this, and like not all of them are gonna be super super powerful. I'm not gonna use all of them at the same time, but I like having like. Because you, you then you can do combinations, and that's the most fun thing in D&D, is just making all these crazy things happen with combinations of your spells and abilities. Yeah. I have one that I think... Uh, I, I have one that I think is... is you might, I think you'll agree with it, but it's, I think it's an okay. uncommon one. And I think it, bow should be a finesse weapon. Uh, yeah, we, we talked about this before, I think, about uh, how bows are a ranged weapon, therefore the ranged weapon is only dex. 
but it actually takes a lot of strength to operate things, especially a longbow in particular. Tell, yeah, tell, tell, me, tell me how you dexterously pull, pull a warbow there, kid. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, like, I could understand maybe not short bows because they're kind of not yeah, as, short as bows. powerful. But even still, you use, like, you don't you draw a, a bow with your back muscles. You do, yeah. It's all, it, it's all like, in the shoulder here is where it all comes from. Like, So I think, yeah, I, I, do you know what? I, like, actually, there is... Um... But like, I'm, I'm not saying they shouldn't be dex weapons. Because I completely understand the logic behind it. I'm just saying, finesse would make more sense. It's either in, or you just make mad mage. an entire class of bows called war bows, and you could you have to use strength to pull them, and you need at least thirteen strength. I, uh, Martin, you, you don't even realize that you're actually quoting something that I think is already published. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a genius because <laughs> I haven't read. Um, it. <laughs> it's it's either in dragon heist or in dungeon of the mad mage there is a group of like five five or six criminals part of the, i forget what they're called one of them is a half orc he's called something the hunter but he uses this extra large bow because he's like a seven a six foot or seven foot tall oh i think I've, i know where i've heard this it's um they did a and it fucking, does, they did it an acquisition thing and he was in it oh, oh i don't think i so. think he was hunting oh, like, maybe. i think he was hunting more gain uh, across rooftops oh do you know what that could be a thing yeah, yeah. that could have been a thing um and he he does two d six damage, and I think you can you I think you can use either strength or dex for it, um and but you you do need like a minimum strength score of like thirteen to be yeah. able to use it. I actually I really want to introduce that in in our campaign as oh, well. Please. I think that'd be really cool. But um like I love a javelin, I, I, I do, but it would make sense to have a longbow. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, I, I I do I do agree that you should probably be able to use both because I feel like yes, okay, dex to aim something yeah okay dex makes sense but to draw it you need strength vice versa but you know if you then... have one but not the other if you have high strength but no dex uh, i feel like then you could draw the bow but you couldn't aim it for shit but like you know you I, need, so I feel like it's not dexterity like i i see this is where i think well, well, it should be finesse right because to aim a bow you need the strength to be able to hold the hold the string back and hold the bow in place like that guy in two in uh, two towers who couldn't hold the yes the owl the fella who started the war <laughs> who started the the fight yeah. yeah if you don't have the strength you can't aim for shit yeah true because you can't hold it for long enough to line up your shot as well yeah I I I would agree I would well, say like, if you can't hold that string steady steady right if you can't hold that string steady and lock it, you're going to be going shaking. like this the entire yeah. time and you can't aim like that hmm. that's why I say finesse uh, weapons man. <laughs> I, I I can get on board with that. I'm not taking anything from anybody. I was saying we should share it more evenly. This is D and D socialism. Socialism, baby. <laughs> um, no, I I I can get on board with that. Uh, again, I think maybe if I was designing it from a mechanical perspective in the game, I'd say short bows can be just de- no. Yeah, no, I could say yeah, I could see finesse. I could see finesse working across all bows. Yeah, except for war bows, they should be strength only. No, sorry, that's what, sorry, that's what I meant to say. That's yeah. what I meant to say. I could, I could, I could see strength working across all types of bows, because that kind of makes sense. Yeah, like yeah. It, I, I guess I, there's probably there's definitely like balance and mechanical reasons why they've done it, maybe. But I still think it's a bit crazy that like at least introduce like yeah, at least introduce think, like war bows. Like if you want to be like a crazy like all I'm thinking is is this is this Game of Thrones where they had the giant archers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he basically shot what was like an eight foot long arrow. He shot like <laughs> that was 
That was like three inches thick. He shot like a ballista bolt out of a bow, yeah. He shot a small tree into the sky and nailed a dude with it. And that yeah. guy just fell down at the Castle Black on the other side. That was so sick. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that's always, but like, yeah, like, like an English long bow is a strength weapon. Come on. Yeah. No, I, I, can, I can totally get on board with that. Yeah. I can. I've one here um, that's kind of a silly one, but I, I see where they're coming yeah, from. I don't think mine are um, going to be as controversial as Twitter's necessarily. <laughs> nothing is as controversial as Twitter. This is true. Um, uh, sneak attack needs to be renamed something that actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I, I kind of get because it's not always a sneak thing and that can be very confusing. I've, I've known so many players to be confused by the multiple ways in which yeah. sneak attack would work. It should be called something like advantageous strike. Or something like that, you know, because you're taking an advantageous position, I mean, that would maybe make more sense. Why not just know? call it like a critical hit? Oh, because critical hits already, already exist, Martin. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! What if we called it Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, <laughs> oh wait, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, I've seen I've seen arguments like this online before. Not yeah, I I, I get it. Um, because yeah, sneak attack does kind of contradict the idea of like doing like sneaking up behind that's someone. That's your that's your hit. Yeah, them. yeah. But all, but all you need is advantage. All you need is advantage is the main thing, and you get that from sneaking. Yeah. But the main thing is you have advantage. I think something calling it like advantageous attack or advantageous strike. Cheap would shot. Be, uh, cheap shot kind of fits a role yeah. pretty well, actually. Because yeah. <laughs> it is. Because uh, if you think about yeah. it, right, the ways you get it is you have advantage on someone, so you're inherently going in on an unfair fight, or yeah. some you have someone with you who is distracting them, so you can get a hit in when they aren't looking, which is literally a cheap shot. I always think about that when it comes to particularly to swashbuckler because they one on one, they yeah. get an ability where as long as they're one on one they can have advantage on someone. Uh, oh no, sorry. As long as they're one on one, they get sneak, sneak attack. attack. Sorry, which again, they don't get advantage, but they do have this ability. And I always feel like there is they're not sneaking in any way. They're like maybe deflecting your sword and then going for like a low kidney shot or something like that. You know, they're 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 not. There's nothing sneaky about what they're doing. They're just skilled at what they're doing, but they still get sneak attack. Yeah, sneak attack's a weird name. Yeah, uh, I get it. I do, I do kind of agree with that. Powerful. I do like the name but, Sneak Attack, though. Sneak Attack is fun, like, you know. But yeah, I think ad, cheap if, shot. If you're, to say advantageous strike yeah. uh, is a bit shot. of a mouthful. Cheap yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cheap shot's good. I like cheap shot. Uh, let's see now. Or Sucker Punch. Uh, uh, oh, like the hit film, Sucker Punch. No, that film's terrible. Uh, <laughs> that film is terrible. Hot garbage. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking for another. I have one here. Um, again, Twitter again. Character alignment is outdated and overly restrictive system, and an overly restrictive system from being used as role playing fluff. Wait, what? I get, I get that. I can see the point yeah. of that. Um, I think. See, I I had a very similar opinion for a long. I actually pretty much held that opinion for a long time, and then I watched a really good video on alignment by Matt Colville where he basically mm -hmm. says this He's is two this, videos on yeah, it. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think I watched them both, but I watched the one I watched was very good anyway. And he basically um laid it out like the way he looks at alignment is order versus chaos. Are you on the? Are you on the? Are you? Are, is, does what does what you do inherently push ahead the goals and the progression of like order in the world right and lots of things do that and and like perfect example so like my paladin was a lawful good paladin but i took the look that i took the view of that alignment in the way matt Coval did and like my paladin would fuck people up in horrible ways but he was fucking up the right people in horrible ways <laughs> so he was pushing yeah. ahead that the rule of order so yeah he's the, good. The, the best example he has in those two videos of that is that a lot of people might consider batman 
to be like maybe a chaotic good Ooh, character good. because he breaks he's, he's a vigilante he breaks the law no one's given him the authority to dress up like a bat and beat up criminals in the street he just does it of his own volition because of that people might consider batman to be chaotic but that's if you're thinking about it in the very first person how do i act on a day-to-day basis batman on a grander scale believes in law and order he believes in people following the law and he believes in justice that's why he does what he does it's more like it's less of the means more of the ends what do you not how you act day to day but what how do you envision the world ideally being in your your brain i think that's really easy to see as well if you look at who his chief antagonist is he's the joker the joker is chaos incarnate and he's he's designed to be the the antithesis to batman so if you look at it that way of course batman is a force of order exactly yeah absolutely um and i think i actually i think the joker is but yeah the, if you if if because people build those three by three grids with yeah. the different characters yeah. and various fandoms and in it, it causes um, war on the internet <laughs> it really does <laughs> but if people if anyone was to put um was to put batman in the chaotic uh good place i i would i would strongly disagree i would sooner um, put batman in in lawful evil than i would put him in chaotic good uh yeah yeah Bat- batman doesn't believe in like people do going about their own day and he doesn't believe yeah he certainly doesn't believe in the guy i think to be chaotic good you have to have a certain belief in people's ability to do right by one another even when there's no um greater system or or or, um you know i don't know hierarchy above you commanding you to do so um which batman certainly does not have because his parents are murdered in front of him in an alleyway yeah it's the belief that like people are inherently good without any exterior motivation they will do good exactly yeah and, and that systems are the problem yeah whereas you know i i i bat i think batman thinks that like very much so if the world if all orders and all systems i mean disappeared people would go fucking yeah. ballistic and, batman and believes and in the people. right system he believes he has the right system and that is that is a system that like justice truth that kind of the truth justice yeah, yeah. in the american way even though that's superman's thing <laughs> that's his buddy's that's his superman's buddy's motto. <clears throat> i love that did you ever see uh, that? just speaking of twitter stupidity uh, do, you know, do you know who dean kane is He's an actor. No. He played uh, he played Superman on Lois and Clark back in the nineties. Right. Okay. Right. And uh, oh wait, was he? He wasn't the one with uh, uh, for, uh, who played Lois in that. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> in the night was she she was she was oh was, terry hatcher but, terry hatcher terry hatcher yeah i, I know you're talking about yeah, i know yeah, you're talking yeah. about yeah so he he uh, i think around the time of the u.s elections last year he came he came on twitter and was like he shared like a screenshot of like a comic he shared like a screenshot of like an old comic book i think or an old movie where superman was like truth justice in the american way and he was like i i wouldn't be superman wouldn't be able to say that anymore these days and then literally some one of the writers of superman for like the last 10 years like responded to him with a screenshot of the comic book that he wrote where superman says truth justice and the american way in like 2012 oh yeah yeah <laughs> uh, it was just so stupid sorry just because we were, we're talking about like twitter hot takes and people being dumb on twitter that came to mind with the superman uh, and i'll always I, take I, i'll always I be feel like that's a very inflammatory uh inflammatory uh conversation that is maybe meant for a, a more politically charged podcast uh i'm just talking about comic books and people being dumb <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a thing the guy who played Hercules in the television oh series, Jesus Christ not Kevin Sorbo he, oh yeah he's he's, 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 he's crazy people. though he's crazy he's like, <laughs> and like not not even like but he's he's a full-on like QAnon truther fucking like he's yeah he is, yeah which is really upsetting because I really like the old Hercules show. <laughs> I really <laughs> like that show and I really like the, the weird, was it Starship Andromeda he did afterwards? 
It was just called Andromeda. Andromeda, yeah. yeah. I really like yeah. I really like that show as well. <laughs> so I'm like, it made me really upset when in the last ten years he turned into a raven lunatic. Um sorry, yeah, we should probably go back to D and D hot takes and not celebrities who've lost yeah. their goddamn uh, minds. To, to round out on on uh, alignment, um Kevin Sorbo is uh, chaotic stupid. Is, <laughs> That'll, that'll just be what I'm gonna I'm gonna pull these ten seconds or these five seconds out of the podcast and make it a video unto itself, and it'll just be Martin going Kevin Sorbo is stupid. <laughs> I said chaotic stupid actually. Chaotic stupid. My apologies. Um, yeah, I do think character alignment is a bit outdated in some ways. Yeah. There's certain instances in which I like it. For example, I like that certain weapons yes. will not let you use them because like, do you ever see? I, I can't think of any good examples. Holy Avenger. Ever seen, like, a, Sorry? Holy Avenger, only paladins. Well, well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's 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 a it's a good sword made to be used by paladins. There's no way a chaotic evil person will be able to wield that. Likewise, if you're watching movies how there's like an all powerful object, a MacGuffin of some kind. Mjolnir? And, uh well no, I am thinking more like a, a bad thing oh, that okay, maybe the yeah, bad yeah. guy is chasing. Yeah. And wants to use for their own like greed and stuff like that. And then maybe at some some point in the movie you think, why doesn't the good guy just use it against the bad guy? The because one ring. it's a bad the one ring yes exactly well yes exactly like why don't we just use the evil thing to defeat the evil because because it's an evil thing it is inherently an evil object it doesn't work that yeah. way even if you try and do good with an evil thing it will inherently corrupt your good plans and turn them to evil exactly yeah, which is yeah. the argument so for I, not I, using the ring exactly that's why that's why Bormer didn't know what the fuck he was talking about yeah um but yeah, I th so I think I think alignment has some positions. I still use it in. I would definitely put alignment requirements on certain magic items. Oh, yeah. I've um, um I've 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 a weapon, my blood hunter sword right now. It requires alignment by a lawful uh, creature. There you go. That's perfect. Yeah. So that's and good. Like, or, that's I, good or evil. Exactly. And I think, I think that that's a perfectly reasonable way to keep alignment around. But I do feel like some people think that simply. Uh, simply naming your character or giving them an alignment is a personality. No. When really your bonds, flaws, and traits, that, that section of your character sheet is far more beneficial to shaping who you are as a person in the game than just saying, I'm a chaotic evil paladin, or I'm a chaotic neutral ranger, or whatever you are. Like, yeah, I think it's way more informative than simply giving yourself one of these nine options and pretending like that's a personality yeah. it's not there's there's more there's more nuance to it 100 uh do you have any other any other ones from your list there martin boom uh let me see here i actually had something similar to that <laughs> lawful good doesn't mean your character is boring or has to stop the other players doing things your character would disagree with which is basically what we we're talking about there i'm a really big fan of captain america and he is lawful good and i really enjoy him hell yeah um yeah. oh realism does not make your game better yes oh my god yes um so much oh, okay do you know joy do you know why I'm, I'm reacting so much to this um i spend a lot of time on uh or i used to i don't as much anymore on the on arthur kind of subreddit mm. people will make a lot of stuff or introduce game rules and homebrew stuff there and it's a great resource by the way it's not always balanced and stuff and you might need to tweak it yourself but people have some great ideas on that oh yeah there's some really oftentimes good people will they're really like overly it's a game at the end of the day, right? And I think we need to make certain allowances to the game that are not like, okay. So I remember in like the first campaign we were running, I tried to introduce firearms. I had things where you needed to have X amount of 
bullets and gunpowder and all this other stuff. And, I need, and there was way too much tracking of it. And when instead I should have just gone, you have five bangs from your gun. <laughs> and that's it. It, sh- it shouldn't have been any more complicated. I would have said bullets. But it shouldn't have been any more complicated than you have X amount of shots. But because of the rules where you need to have gunpowder for your gun if it's a flintlock thing and then you need lead balls to put into it and you need to like force them down um i just felt like it was way a lot and i see this a lot with guns in particular because a lot of people have tried to bring firearms into D in their own way i see people adding modifications like suppressors and scopes and all it's too stop it it's too complicated i don't want give me a rifle that functions like any other weapon in the game. I don't come. I don't go to DMs and go, "Hey, I've got this bow. Can I add a red dot sight to it?" No, you can't because it's D and D. Because it's a game, and the bow just fun- stop trying to reinvent the mechanics. It fun- It works as it is. So likewise, if you bring in a gun to the game, don't be asking, "Can I get a suppressor for my gun?" or "Can I put a scope on it?" or this other stock. That's not a, like it's overly complicated, and yeah. I hate that people try to do this overly realistic thing with guns just because they are more modern. They should be more realistic. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Sorry, rental. No, you're, you're grand. That that was a very good and informative rant about guns. Um, no, I suppose what what I was more mean is, so like, I'm look. If you want to run like a survivalist D and D campaign where everybody's got to eat and drink and find their own food and water yeah. and stuff like that, and you're tracking all that, and they have to, like, if you want to go whole hog it, like you have to make sure that everybody is warm enough every night, and that you always have a fire going, and you're like, you're, where are you getting your kindling from, and like all, and like the, how much of this, how much rations can you carry with your strength, and all this kind of stuff, like. Look, if you want to track that and you want to do that and your players are interested in that, I'm sure you're going to have a great time. That's not for me, though, and that doesn't make your game better than my game inherently. Uh, no, real realism does not equal better game. If if it's the game you and your players want to play, knock yourselves out. The, yeah. But realism doesn't make a game... There's plenty of games, um, video games, where they might seem that, realistic. That's where this has come from, I think, is, is like... Your your like like your Minecrafts your Daisy your much too much for like like stuff like your Daisies like your Valheims yeah. where you do like Valheim isn't as bad I don't think but like or like even like Don't Starve Don't Starve is one I, I remember it's like you have like a cold meter as well like all those survival yeah, yeah. games I think that's where that's come from and as well there's people like obviously there's people out there who probably do have that real world survivalist experience they want to incorporate that in their game and like I suppose like what I'm saying is like the best game you can run is the game that you and your players enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. and there I, uh, is no one answer to what the best game is other than that 10 out of 10 Martin. top points uh, I, I agree I think uh, I, I'm a person who actually likes survival games but here's the thing right D&D depending on what your preference is it, for you it might be a game where, you, where it's about hunting monsters or it might be a game where it's about just getting gold and going through dungeons or it might be a very story driven game or whatever whatever way you like to play the game that's fine. And if you want to play a game that is like a very um, a very survivalist game where you go out into the wilderness and you need to make sure you stay warm each night and you need to make sure you have X amount of rations and stuff like that, that's perfectly fine if that's the focus of your game. However, and I noticed from playing survival games on uh, video games, like um, if the game's goal is to survive, I will play that game and I will thoroughly enjoy it because I like survival games. So I like gathering food and supplies and and making sure that i have a fire going after dark and all the sort of stuff that comes with games like daisy um and uh minecraft and what was that what's that one of the dinosaurs oh Ark survival evolved yeah, yeah. Uh, i really i really enjoy the aspect of those however i find that if the game but for example if you're expecting a story driven game 
but the fact that you don't have enough supplies or that the cold is beating you down so much that you can't make it to the next story beat that's a hindrance so i like survival aspects in survival games but if you gave me arc survival evolved with a very intricate story like i'm talking like cutscenes and characters and a very intricate stuff and i think that might be what the next arc it is, is doing. the vin diesel one. <laughs> yeah, yeah but i feel like if the mechanics of survival hinder my ability to follow the story and i'm here for the story that's a problem yeah. so likewise if you want to travel to the next town in D&D because you want to find out what happened with that guy who unleashed the shadows inside the, the church or something like that um, and then you're on your way to the next town but you can't make it there because you either can't afford enough supplies or because it's so cold out you couldn't possibly survive a single night out there that's like or you're losing hit points or, yeah. or you're getting levels of exhaustion with each night because you're so freezing um, that's not that's not fun to me. I want to know what happened with the shadows and the other guy. You know, yeah. like don't get me wrong. Like I, I could see myself maybe running like an arc like that or like a short bit of story like that just to give my players a taste of that. But like I couldn't see myself yeah. running a whole campaign. And I suppose it was a bit, a bit, a bit clipped. Is the is the is the point in that? Like realism doesn't make you better. I mean, like yeah, like if that works for you, great. But that doesn't mean that people who aren't tracking that stuff aren't as good a DM as you are. There's a thing, and you you will notice because you've started listening to this podcast recently, which is play, watch, listen. Mike Bithell is a game director yeah. in that uh, in that podcast, and he only only a few episodes back, maybe only a few weeks ago, he had a thing where he was talking to people about to the rest of the cast about how they they mentioned something about realism or about like oh do you know what it was? Um, I think it was the way people reload in games. So you know if you you have a magazine with thirty rounds and you fire eight of them, but then you can reload and you go yeah. right back up to thirty, but you don't have a, a, a magazine in your pocket with twenty two rounds in it um people often online and he says he sees this the whole time people say they want that level of realism but he's like you don't no you definitely don't games even the games that people would call realistic still have certain mechanics in play because there's certain things that you would just find too tedious if you actually you think you want them you do not want that level of realism in a game you actually you you want you want almost like how would you put it you want the illusion of realism, yes. but you don't want actual realism. Yes. You know, you want yeah, you want something to be realistic, not real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite. I, th I think. Sorry, one. Oh no, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. There. I think the, the word realistic inherently means it's like being real, but is not actually real. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, my my favorite like completely unrealistic thing in video games that no one ever questions or like or even everyone just accepts this thing now um, is uh, it's uh, have you ever heard the term the Capcom quote? no it's uh oh wait is it the thing in video games where people will take an item and just put it behind their back and it disappears uh i i've seen it i similar yeah kind of pretty much it's uh it's something i've seen mostly ascribed to the likes of um your devil may cries and your resident evils now resident evil allows much because a whole part of that is it organizing your inventory right but like yeah devil may cry you start every devil may cry game with a huge two-handed sword whoever you're playing you're probably playing you have you have like a, a two-handed sword is probably like five foot tall right over the yeah. course of the game particularly if you're playing dante on the main characters you will acquire like like devil may cry five right start with a two-handed sword um at one stage you acquire you start with a two-handed sword and a pair of flaming gauntlets and you switch between them with the trigger buttons just when the sword is out it's just there on your back you switch to your gauntlets the sword is gone and you've two fiery gauntlets where'd the sword go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a thing in, they do the whole time in Metal Gear Solid where um, someone will be like, <laughs> literally, you'll be in a cutscene and Snake will be talking to someone and they'll be like, here, before you go, take this. And he'll go, what is it? And he's like, 
it's an RPG launcher. And he'll go, thanks. And he, he you don't <laughs> yeah. see what his hand up close. He he just puts it behind at his yeah. lower back as if someone handed him a mobile phone and it's something really small like that. He'll go, thanks, I'll use this later. And he'll put it in his back pocket. And it's every single, like literally, they never they never talk about it, but it's in every, even the more realistic games that it's, they've done recently still yeah. have that mechanic and I love it. <laughs> it's it's just the convention of Anvid. It's the same reason why in like, if a car blows up in, a Holly, in Hollywood, right, it's going to be a massive explosion with loads of fire and smoke. But when that all clears away, most of the cars are still going to be there. If something actually explodes like to do what i made versus la if something actually explodes and like like with c4 or like plastic explosive or something it's gone <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like there is no uh, wreckage that you may find some wreckage about a mile that way <laughs> uh, uh i have another one do you have, here. Do you have another spicy one for us uh not so spicy but just interesting uh this person and it literally lars it's all uh, this is all he says uh death saving throws are dumb I don't. I. Mm, uh, I disagree. I yeah. I think, like I think I can. I think I can kind of see where he's coming from in that. Like I guess it kind of doesn't really make a lot of sense. But I. I, I think death saving in my head anyway. Death saving trolls are basically a mechanical invitation of bleeding out. Oh yeah, exactly. And I think that it creates a sense of urgency in a fight when someone is on death saving throws. You, oh, the cleric God, or yeah. someone's like, we gotta stabilize them or we gotta get over and heal them quickly, uh, and it's a way of like. Like, it's kind of a safety net to a degree. It's you know, a so it's if, you drop, if you drop well. to zero, sorry, it's a tension mechanic as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's 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 a it's a safety net just to stop like you from dropping to zero and be like, well, that's it, create yeah. a new character. And like you still can be fucking outright killed as well if you just take enough damage. I've done it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've done it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think that saving throws create a, a, an interesting sense of tension don't get me wrong the idea that you can roll a natural 20 and just miraculously recover is kind of dumb yeah. um but I guess at the same I... time i like the idea where like someone is bleeding out we need to get to this person with the the fighter is down we need to get to him fast or he's gonna die i like that idea and i like the creative detention it creates mm. and the time in our current game where i killed a pc and an npc with a lightning bolt at, and they were both unconscious, and then I put the t you and the other player left to sleep. And I'm like, you're gonna be asleep for a, a while, <laughs> for a minute. I, I'm just gonna have to roll death saves and see what happens. That was a great end to a session because we all stood that up. That was so tense. <laughs> and we were like rolling dice, and I'm like, okay, so if we follow, if we follow the initiative order around, first it's the NPC, that's one failure, okay, and now it's the the PC, Ooh, that's a failure, and we we just went around like that until who until one of them potentially rolled a 20 or rolled enough passes and failed and they both ended up dying but like that was a, that created a great memory and a great moment of tension again i will i if this person is referring um to the fact that you can roll a natural 20 and miraculously get back up I, okay i totally agree but so, other than that i think that's raven chosen cool to play devil's advocate for the natural 20 right dnd is born from pulp fiction from pop culture and pulp fiction right yeah how many times have you seen in a movie where someone gets absolutely demolished and they're on the ground and they're they look like they're dead and then like they have the, the camera goes inside their brain and you see them having flashbacks and then they hear like oh perfect example because i literally just watched it the other day Thor, are you, are you Thor, Thor? the god I, of hammers yes yes exactly <laughs> that but like he's down he's done he's out and then like that happens and just the, the will to continue on and like that awakening of like power and stuff 
he comes yeah. back in that like that's how in my head I was the natural twenty is like you like you're not done now is not your time you are not done here your will is too strong to pass on even with the wind uh, like you have one to do hit point an anime so lock. Fuck. oh yeah Naruto does a concept oh god yeah <laughs> Naruto's whole deal is that he is he can he's not even that good of a ninja he can just take a punch like a boss he's <laughs> he's he's pretty pretty good ninja. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, he is. But I mean, like his whole, yeah, yeah. Uh, like his, his his whole thing is that like he can get absolutely beat down. Yeah, but he will get back up and he will keep fighting because he's just so it's determined. His, it's his uh, ninja, ninja ninja way. He'll never give up. It's his ninja way, which is yeah, exactly. which is cringe a bit. But it's, you know, and that does get hey. overdone a lot in anime. To be honest, that like I can't yeah, lose yeah. here. I have too much that I'm fighting for. But like that is it's a trope in po- in a popular fiction for a reason because that can when. It's it's Captain America at the end of Endgame when he's got his shield yeah. cut in half, his his arm is bleeding, and Thanos has an army coming towards him, and he just pulls the strap tighter on his arm to close pulls the wound it tighter and walks out forward. The pain. He didn't know those portals yeah. were going to open. He was going to walk yeah. in and just die instantly, but he was going to fight while he was doing it, and that's what kind of the same yeah. kind of narrative I see for the Nat Twenty. And when you're he on, could have done that all day. Oh God, man, Steve Rogers, <laughs> what a what a. God, I, right. yeah, an Avengers D&D game would be so much fun. It would be everyone's level 20 and everything is world-ending all the time. It would be a nightmare for the DM. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's a, a scroll doppelganger. That would be even more of a nightmare for the DM because then everyone could change abilities. You know, you, you'd have to, you have to keep track of who is and isn't. And, oh, yeah. Oh, Hit me with another one from your list, Aaron. Let me have a look here. I think this is possibly a uh, I think this is a, a point that I made earlier but this is one I, I like and I feel very strongly about with D&D uh, D&D is a group story not your story so don't try and involve yourself in everything wait say that again D&D is a group story not your story so don't try and involve yourself in everything uh I, I don't know if it's a hot take, but I I should I should hope it's in a hot take. That seems like that should be baseline rules for I, me. Yeah, I know. I like some. This is why I said like I'm not sure. I, I totally nailed these. Oh, how about this one? It's slightly more controversial, but I I also feel uh, pretty strong about it. And it's uh, building powerful characters is fine. There's nothing wrong with building a powerful character, and it does not mean that you hate roleplay. Uh no, I, th- I think ro- I think um, I think roleplay is or or building it like I don't get me wrong. I think there's definitely some people who try to just break the game yeah uh that can happen um like i like I making i like building powerful combos into my characters because there's synergy there it works that way for a reason but like yeah. my goal isn't to break the game it's just to like oh this is a cool combo <laughs> like yeah i think there's nothing wrong with building like i i would be very hesitant to accuse someone of being a min-maxer just because their character is powerful and i don't necessarily um, think there's not anything wrong with being a min-maxer either uh no, I th- I think as long as you're, I think as long as you're you're playing the game and you're having fun and yeah. no one at the table like everyone at the table is having a good time exactly as long as what you're doing isn't interfering with what how how other people are enjoying the game I don't think there's anything wrong with it. like yeah like I I've I've always been confused by why that's like a bad thing indeed like of course I want a strong character like I, again yeah. power doesn't really exist but even with power not existing it's still just fun to have combos that are like crazy like I'm gonna cast this spell on this sword and then like, like this whole like you can do this crazy yeah. like it is the anime like I'm gonna use this thing to, like it's it's the chain of um, like combos that you can do is enjoyable like yeah I just don't think there's anything there's not like obviously if you're if you're one man showing the thing and you're taking over, taking all the spotlight from everybody, then it becomes an issue. But I, I really don't think there's a problem with having, with, with wanting to have or having a powerful character. 
yeah no absolutely i, th- I think that because uh, again the 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 argument against that would would suggest that your character should be suboptimal or should be like weak in some way uh or or like yeah that you that that you should be designing a character somehow not to the full extent whereas i'm like by all just design your character whatever way as best because again can. i like like again like what what are you if, if you're saying people shouldn't be doing that what are you asking them to do are you asking a fighter to take the linguist's feet instead of tough because that's the wrong thing to do somehow i think most I of the time know. this comes down to stats is when people are talking about it when like they're like oh do you know when like people are like oh you should by rights have like people are like oh you should by rights have a dumb stat but like what if i just rolled really well when i was rolling my stats yeah. and i got like three 16s and two 14s at level one uh, and sorry three 16s and three 14s because there's six stats not five uh <laughs> yeah yeah it uh it happens yeah it does just happen like i like my look has very very high strength and con but like he's terrible mental stats awful awful mental stats but like like to be fair i think i think maybe if 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 a player rolled in front of me and got like all above 15 on all their stats i'd probably ask them to re-roll because that would be a bit ridiculous but uh but only be, I, I do don't get me wrong i think it, like having a weak stat is not a requirement yeah but i i do think that they th- actually can like it can be a great role-playing tool yeah um, but you should... in critical I... role had a, had a, no intelligence and that was some of the funniest things that happened in critical role because travis played on okay. how dumb grog was yeah but his he his intent wasn't to make a dumb character though you know what i mean it's it's more so the allocation of stats like he allocated his stats and when he allocated his stats into what he wanted it just so happened that intelligence was low so he's like okay cool i'm going to play play grog as, as dumb you know it's uh, yeah i think like a lot of people are, yeah like i think it's just as long as you're not fucking like as long as everyone at the table is having a good time i don't really see an issue with it and if an issue does arrive then just have a like, arise because of it just have a fucking adult conversation about it yeah yeah uh, I think I, I had a situation with Renyolf when I was playing him where I rolled and I got a couple good stats so my strength and my con and my int were quite high which is what I need for an Eldritch Knight um, actually my, my con was actually only, even only modest actually um, but then I, I got quite I have a flat dex and I had a, a 7 charisma Yeah. Uh, and what I did was I, I hadn't planned this but I one second you hear that noise in the background? No. Your, okay, your mic probably I, cuts most of it off. That's really good because I can hear it now, and I was worried there for a second. Um, yeah. So, like, what I was thinking was, uh, oh yeah, so I wasn't planning on on this, but I thought, right, okay, I have a flat deck. So what what does that mean? Okay, well, technically, Renyov is like fifty something. Maybe he has like a bad back, or he's not very flexible anymore. So I kind of leaned Stiff into joints. that a little bit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then as well as that, the seven charisma, I I hadn't planned on him being kind of socially awkward, but he kind of was, and I leaned into that because he had a seven charisma. Having a weakness can be a good thing, and you can definitely oh, totally. play off it super well, but I don't think that you're you're in any way in the wrong if you roll your character stats and you don't get anything below a 12. I, there's not, you've done nothing wrong there. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I think as well, like, yeah, like, you can pad up your stats and stuff. But if you want to be really, really good at what your character is supposed to do, you're probably going to have dumb stats. And you're going to have stats to just iron tie because you've been channeling them into other things. Yeah, exactly. I, I think... Yeah, I, 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 I personally, I don't think that there's a huge problem yeah. with it. I think... It, I think it just like like a, you said... Sorry. It, it, yeah, so it's, just, it's like you said, if, if, if all your players at the table are happy with how everyone's playing and all that stuff, that's all that matters. Yeah, all exactly. that matters. 
Juva, any more uh, spicy ones from the internet for us? I, I got one here. Uh, from someone named Dr. Magic. Uh, this is... The Sorcerer is the weakest mechanically designed class by a landslide and only really works when this is used as part of a multi-class. But when you multi-class with it, it's amazing. They try to make it special slash unique by making it the only class that can now use metamagics uh, in this edition. Uh, I, no, I really like Sorcerer. I actually really, really like Sorcerer. Now, it doesn't have a lot of really good subclasses. I'll give him that. Um, there's not like a ton of great like um, sorcerer classes, and I and I believe, I believe the wizard does outpace the sorcerer as it gets to higher levels. Um, yeah. But like I, I've a sorcerer in my party. The first game I played, it had a sorcerer in it. Um, there's a sorcerer in the party we're playing right now. I have never been in a game with a sorcerer where I went, "That's a bad class." I've only I've only ever been like, yeah. "This class is a damage machine." That's kind of it. The yeah. sorcerer is basically like like uh, I I just if you compare it one to one with the wizard, right? Um, the sorcerer has a whole thing where like they do get fewer spells. They also can't swap their spells out on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, but I think they get about the same amount of spells. They get the same spell slots as far as I know. So you can cast a limited number of spells the same amount of times. Um, they also get meta magics, which are absolutely yeah. great. And you can um, use your sim. You get a similar thing to Arcane Recovery, where you can use your spell, your um, meta magic points to get back spell slots. You can you can trade them out exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think um, don't get me wrong. The one thing about sources that definitely frustrates me is the inability to swap them out. Yes, on, I would very only between levels. I'd very much like it to be. Like I wouldn't have a problem if they could swap their spells out once a day. Like wizards can do it, and wizards arguably are more powerful. Are arguably have access to more powerful spells than sorcerers. Like they have a much, they have a broader spell list. Yeah, they have. I think they have everything sorcerers have for the most part, plus a, a bunch more thrown in on top that yeah. are exclusively wizard. You know, so like, uh, yeah. What I do, what I do, and do you know what? What I do actually really like about um meta magics is um there's a couple of really really interesting meta magics like the likes of your twin spell, your subtle spell. I really like those. Um, there's that one other meta magic where you can change the damage type of your spell, which is sick. Uh, give me that acid fireball, please. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, weakest mechanically designed class. Have you seen bards? <laughs> Uh, particularly at low, mostly at low levels. I apologize to all the bards out there. Uh, but low-level bards are, are quite uh, ineffective in a lot of different ways. You know, um, they get better with higher levels, but yeah. low, they're they're very they're very uh, loaded, heavy on the back end as opposed to the front. They don't get a lot going. Also, have you seen Beastmaster Ranger? Ooh, they and they, they they only patched Not that recently. They only patched that one up recently as well. Oof. Yeah, that, that, I think uh, it's a lot I, better now though. And I mean, it's it's technically a subclass, but I take I take massive issue with the elemental monk as well. Yes, the elemental monk is not great. Um, it's not good. The way along death monk isn't great either. Uh, I think it's okay. Didn't they take that out actually? It's it's still a thing, but it uh, what it's, what it's it is is it it's yeah. Well, no, I think it was it's it might be archived actually. I think it is. What archive. it was it, it was in the Sword Coast Adventurers Guide, and that book is now no longer. Uh, the uh, what's that? something league adventurers league official oh, anymore yeah, yeah so whereas before you could use that in adventurers league no questions asked now you cannot use the stuff you can i think if people yeah. allow you to and they, but it's not a given and they didn't reprint long death that was the only one out of all those they didn't re reprint uh they didn't reprint oh the also purple dragon, purple dragon i was just about to say purple dragon knight sucks ass as well <laughs> <laughs> uh, Purple Dragon Purple Dragon Knight has a couple things I think are kind of interesting about it and I think uh, they're all done better in the Cavalier do you know what yeah 
not wrong. But yeah, um, I, I, I would say, look, I, I know people have to get a lot of problem, a lot of issue with Sorcerer, particularly when you compare it one to one with Wizard. Mm. Um, but I actually think Sorcerers are kind of cool. Yeah, um, I, like I can, that's another one where I can see the point he's making and where it would come from. Um, yeah. But I, like, in my experience with Sorcerers, they have proven to be nothing but incredibly useful. Yeah, like you said, we, you had, uh, we had Mike in the previous campaign. Yeah. Mike did a lot, Mike was a heavy damage dealer. Um, and utility as well though he was the one he was flying us everywhere teleporting us places um, yeah, making us yeah. invisible seeming like everything he was he, like like it would have been interesting to maybe if someone else in the party had played a wizard alongside him and we could see one to one who who our paces who but and, and it may be, again maybe a wizard would and they'd probably have more flexibility um, I've always thought that it didn't always make sense to me that sorcerers got metamagic because it makes more sense to me in my head that a wizard this is my hot take. Um, it makes more sense to me that a wizard who studies spells and the exact conditions in which a spell happens would have an enough of an understanding that they could tweak it on the back end to make it behave differently. I would look... I see. I think the way I've always rationalized it is that because a wizard's magic is learned. He learns specific... Like it, like a mathematical formula, basically. He yeah, learns yeah. to cast a spell, right? So you, you, chain, you can't... like. I know there are certain wizards, but like basically, that is the formula. You repeat the formula, you get this. You get this result, right? Yeah. Whereas, no, like, like, like they're stuck in a cycle exactly. where they, they've learned a very specific way of doing it, and they only do it that exactly. way. Exactly. Whereas, that, like yeah. a sorcerer, their magic comes from within, usually from a source, from almost from like their DNA, like a mutant. Um, yeah. And like I, I think as a result of that, yeah, it may it would make sense to me that like yeah, you have this wellspring of magic, but then it comes out, it, you express it in a way that is unique to you, and that's where your magic, meta magic comes in. You yeah, know, it's they're yeah, more I, I, of, um, like like you're using oh. your will to bend or manipulate yes. something. Wizard, like, wizard, yeah. wizard, wizard magic is learned. Sorcerer magic is in, is like intuitive, is the way I've looked at it. Yeah, and I suppose the the intuitive nature of it would allow you to to change tweak. on the fly. Yeah. Like you're you're just going. It's it's like jazz with magic. You're just going with the flow. Whereas, <laughs> yeah. whereas oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, that's what it is. It's jazz versus a heavy metal solo. Uh. Yeah, exactly. Whereas jazz is very free form and people can jump in yeah. and out and stuff like that. A heavy metal solo is very much. These uh, are the notes. Uh, Play these notes as fast as you can. <laughs> yeah, as fast as you can as well, yeah. too. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, uh, anyone, any more you over there? Um, an edgy backstory does not make it a good make it a good character. No, stop it with the edginess. Mm. Uh. Yeah, I think I, I I think I think a lot of people and also an edgy an edgy backstory like... does not mean that you have to be an edgy character. You can have a dark backstory. Like there's a lot of people who have a lot of really fucked up things happen to them over the course of their life, and they're actually really nice, good, kind people. <laughs> yeah, doesn't like, mean you have to be the the sullen yeah. mute who barely talks. And, and here's the thing, and that you, actually would you make you a, very... a better character in my mind. <laughs> I think uh, I think if you are a person who has written a very edgy backstory, and as a result you're always the brooding, quiet one who rarely speaks in the group and stuff like that, I, I got news here. That's not fun as a player to sit around and like not really be able to have an uh, an input on a conversation that a bunch of characters are having yeah. because you feel like your character should be sitting in the corner of the room, glaring out the window at the at the night. You know, like that's <laughs> the gutters yeah, are full of pus and the gutters have scabbed over and all the city screams help me and I just listen and I say no. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I feel like it's you can have an edgy backstory, whatever. Like fine. But I think it more comes down to 
you sh- you should still not play the, try not to play the edgiest character ever yeah. at the table be more engaging because again like i know we all like when batman is kind of quiet or he only he says very little or he's very snarky sometimes but and batman, it's, it's entertaining yeah. but when, when people are trying to interact at a table where the purpose of the game is that you have fun with your friends then if you're not engaging with your friends because you're just playing this quiet character, that's not really a whole lot of fun. I would also contest this by the fact that Batman once painted him and Robin entirely yellow just to fuck with the Green Lantern. Did he? I feel yes. Like I should have known that. You Google, literally Google it right now. Batman paints paints himself yellow. Like it's an old school comic, but it's Batman and Rob, like like the Green Lantern walks in and Batman and Robin have painted themselves bright yellow because Green Lanterns don't like yellow. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like it's that sort of like and like any time like yeah, Batman is an edgy, broody character, but like look at any instance of him in a team. Like he still he still interacts with the rest of the yeah. team uh, a lot of time. Just yeah. Just League War is one of the best. I love that that movie. It's the DC. It's mm. a, it's a one of the DC animated ones. That's phenomenal. Batman is hilarious in that film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that is that the one where he steals Green Lantern's ring yes. without even noticing? Yeah, and then he's um, like, oh, "Hal Jordan," and he's like, "How do you how do you know my name is Hal Jordan?" He's like, it's written on your flight suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or there's the bit where like uh, where he's like, "Oh, you're that Batman guy." So what can you like turn into a bat, or do you have like supersonic like like voices something like that? He's like, "Nope." He's like, "Are you just a guy dressed up like a bat?" And he just turns around and smirks at him and walks away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, like. And, and because Batman has those multiple sides and that makes him a good character he is not just edge and brood and, uh, I'm going, yeah, yeah. do you bleed <laughs> I actually really like Batflick <laughs> I, I, I like Batflick I wish he had I wish he had a different script to work with yeah yeah um, so I, I actually, uh, he's a great Superman I wish he had someone else writing the Superman scripts <laughs> Jesus Christ uh, but, but like I, I think they actually got such good casting in the DCU. And then they've just squandered it mm. over the past few years. That's a whole other hot take uh, in a different podcast. Well, I think that we've touched on that particular hot take in multiple podcasts. <laughs> I, this this is the this is the Mike Flares, a D and D podcast slash Connor just talks Ooh. shit about Zack Snyder on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have another one. Um, the class isn't boring. You lack imagination. Yeah, someone else actually had a similar one here about fighters, and uh, that, if you, uh, I was specifically thinking people... fighters. Yeah. People who say fight uh, human fighters are so bland and boring don't know how to make real characters. Thank you, you don't need uh, to be a fish man who got his magic powers uh, from a flying immortal plate of spaghetti to be interesting. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you you can do so with a spear and a shield. There you go, Martin. Justification. Uh, no, I think I think um, I've often said you played Lug in our first ever game we played in together mm-hmm. uh, as a human battlemaster fighter. Um, and I still to this day think Lug, the, the current instance, but also that instance of Lug where he was just a fighter, like cur- currently he's an ancestral barbarian, and so he has ghosts and stuff like that that surround him, uh, which, which you know, it makes a bit more interesting for a character. Even when Lug was just a spear and shield wielding human fighter bar- uh, battlemaster, I still thought he was one of the most interesting characters I've ever seen at the table, and continues to be, because... Oh, thanks. You Alex. spent an awful <laughs> no worries. Uh, you spent an awful lot of time, like adding the whole Celtic tattoos and, and heritage to him. You made it so that he had a whole thing about like magic and again a skepticism of dark magic. Um, he had layers to him. He had real. He was honorable in what he did as well. You know, he was. He had a lot of very genuine, real character traits, 
and, and, and this is in a party where we had a dragonborn paladin, uh, a fire ganasi sorcerer, a tiefling sorcerer. Um, Three elf uh, rangers. <laughs> uh, oh god, yeah, of which I was one. Um, I, an elf ranger rogue, an elf ranger bard, and an elf ranger cleric, I believe. Yeah. It yeah. is what it is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, I uh, so so yeah, I think I think that um, honestly, no no character I've ever seen in D anD D has been interesting solely because of the co- race class combination they've picked. Mm. Um, Unless you're wrong. doing like a meme combo and you're like, oh, I'm an orc wizard, you know, I'm super buff. But like that's that that's funny for a while, but the joke runs out. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that 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 will be funny for session one, but when you first reveal your character. And then it will not be funny any bit after that for the remainder of the campaign. You're much better off investing time in having a real genuine character with some real kind of like character aspects to them. Um, don't get me wrong. I always love when M- Mike tends to play the weirder of the races. Yeah, he I does. Really yeah. like he play- he, he's played a dragonborn and a turtle and he played... He's playing a tabaxi uh, in my campaign. Tabaxi. He played a, a, He played Kenny the Kenku in a one-shot <laughs> I ran once, which uh, I really loved. He, he played... A, when, when Wabu died for that short time, he also played a Triton. He did, yeah, yeah. He goes to the weirdest of, and I, I like that just just because it adds to the diversity of the team. Hmm. Um, but again, there's there's really nothing wrong with playing a human anything. Oh, not um, because also, yeah, I I I just think yeah, absolutely dead on. Play play whatever you want. It like just because I'm playing a human fighter and you're playing an Earth Ganassi war wizard. Yeah, that, that you're you're not you're not more interesting than me I, by I, by. I think, inherently you know I think where a lot of this comes from is because particularly with like a fighter a lot of your stuff is I hit it with my weapon I hit it with my weapon I hit it with my weapon right and people just don't seem to like that right okay easy solution your first attack okay I'm gonna go for a, a low stab at his Achilles tendon I'm gonna try and sever the Achilles tendon my second thing is yeah. gonna be a sweep up across his eyes I'm gonna try and blind him my third attack is gonna be an overhead slash down onto his head yeah it's it's about Again, you describing it more cinematically in a more interesting way is far more interesting. And now, like, don't, I, don't overdo that. Don't be like, and as I draw my sword from the scabbard, it sings as the steel. No, just be like, be, just be clear about what you're doing so people can see you rather than going, I hit him again. I hit him. And you know what? A lot of time you still probably are going to be like, I hit him again because it's tense and you want to move through the combat. But like, yeah, yeah like, just if you just put a little bit of imagination into it and like just think of like your favorite action scenes from movies and why they work and how and like what you like about them and try and stick that in your in your in your fighter and you'll find it won't be as boring you won't be boring or you won't be like oh this is so shit. and like yeah okay you're never going to be like if you're standing next to like a 15th level wizard he's like i'm going to disintegrate this dragon's head you're probably never going to disintegrate a dragon's head but if you get up to that dragon and you have your action surge and you have your weapon to hand you may take off one of the dragon's heads just with a few sword swings i think uh like the thing is it's like even if you're like okay if you're casting spells yeah maybe you're shooting green lasers or you're shooting balls of mm. fire or you're shooting bolt of lightning yeah that's kind of just inherently if, if, at, at just a very base level that that's probably inherently a little more interesting to describe yeah but i think that both you wielding a sword and slashing up an enemy in various you know, pivots and, and and swings and stuff like that can be just as interesting as the wizard describing themselves moving their hands and then throwing a ball of acid at someone exactly. you know um i think i think that both can be equally interesting and again 
just because your class is a warlock who made up whose parents made a pact with a devil and blah, it doesn't like that's backstories I, in my opinion do very little to inform how interesting a character is it's how you play at the table yeah exactly it's uh and like what you take that and move forward with it i think is that uh, is how, yeah. how you make things interesting like yeah it's it's your class your class is your base not your whole character uh here's something i was actually thinking about the other day uh, so this, per- this person actually in just back in the same thread as before this person said agreed milestone leveling all the way um yeah said, yeah <laughs> suck it other guy <laughs> <laughs> uh, i wonder if he commented on this i'm almost, i i would put money on it that he comments he did not amazingly <gasps> um but this uh this person said dark vision isn't op in 5e very few tables just actually use it correctly to how it is written in as in, in as intended um so oh, i think yeah. what they're seeing is a lot of people complain that almost every or most races have dark vision in fifth edition which is true um i actually was thinking about this the other day i don't actually adhere to dark vision rules as i should because technically most of my characters should be rolling a disadvantage when they're in pitch black environments because that's how it works da- da- total darkness is dim light when yeah. you have dark vision yeah uh, i think i think it doesn't work for us a lot though because um we have uh half our party can't see in the dark so we always have light to hand that's true yeah yeah which i like i I, we we never got to do it last campaign because we had everyone had dark vision (laughs) everyone had dark we had three elves a dwarf and then a dragonborn who had goggles of night so everyone had dark vision no one ever needed to worry about that which is why in this campaign i gave you a spear that has the ability to glow and cast light because i thought this will be good to have so that you actually have a source of light in the immediate area when you're fighting and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honest mechanical... I don't think Dark Vision is OP. Um, yeah. I, I I think maybe maybe too many races have it, but that comes down to a design thing of like... A lot of a lot of races are based on animals and stuff, and a lot of animals can see in the dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, you, I, know we were saying, I know I said earlier, like, realism. But some, sometimes, like, it's... I suppose about like narrative or logical consistency within your own world, even if that world is unrealistic. Yeah, oh, sorry. It's uh, hit me, hit me, hit me another one there. We're coming up on time, but hit me with another one there, Martin. Oof. Um, we've covered a lot of the ones I wrote. Shockingly. Um, if combat is your favorite part of D and D, doesn't mean you hate RP. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you can have preference in what t- parts of the game are yours, hundred uh, percent. And I think uh, I think I would say all I say almost everyone, if not everyone, does have a preference in what part of the game they like the most. Um, doesn't mean you're that, that you're somehow doing a disjustice or a disservice to the other pillars of uh, of the game. Um, let's pull up another thread here now. Yeah. I love I love D and D hotdogs because there's uh, there is a lot of them. And I'm just like yeah, not get fucked. Um, but like, I, f- I find an awful lot of them. I'm like, yeah, do you know at the very least you have a point, like <laughs> you know, which is rare on Twitter. Most of the time, Twitter doesn't have a point. Uh, I have one here. Uh, warlocks should have the option of being intelligence based, and sorcerers should be constitution casters. Constitute, I. Ooh, let's, think... up, let's, let's, let's very quickly unpack that both ways alright so warlocks as intelligence casters what do you think there mm, I, I I would like to know their rationale behind that I think maybe because and not always but I, I think 
maybe they feel that they've been handed something by someone, therefore they need to know how to wield it, I would guess. Or maybe because oftentimes warlocks make packs because they want magic, they want the knowledge of magic from their patron, and the knowledge is what's granted to them. So you could argue that maybe that's what they're going for? Yeah, I, I, I guess if that's rational, yeah, because the whole thing of warlock is you have made a pact to gain forbidden knowledge. That's generally, yeah. that's like with most of your warlocks, obviously like the divine soul isn't going to be forbidden knowledge. Um, but like, yeah, like, yeah, I guess with that, I could, I could see the argument for that. Um, the, I think, I think maybe, um, why, I, I, I like, guess, I, is the argument for charisma, for sorcerers being constitution casters then that their magic comes from within their body? I, yeah, I would say that it's probably because they feel like it's a physical, rather than a, a wizard who has to very quickly think how am I going to combine these elements to make a spell the sorcerer maybe has to summon it from within their physical being and and like you know if, if you ever see like uh, in pretty much anything when someone uses magic they'll cast a spell and then they kind of collapse to one knee because they're exhausted maybe it has to do with your physical you're your draining your own physical strength yeah. to make that I can see that being a thing I, I can um, see I, I get I, can, I understand I still I, I'm, I'm totally cool with that being charisma because Again, it's like um, it's that intuitive, like feeling approach to magic. It's a force of will, it, which is what charisma is. It's it's your it's your, your yeah, force personality your is, what, is what charisma is really. But your willpower, I'd say, would come from wisdom. No, no I wouldn't say. I'd say I'd say charisma and like the your the, your strength of character from charisma is what enables yeah, you to fair. to use your. To, to force a spell out to to become or to manifest something like that yeah again i can see argue, i can see the argument for both these the, um although that being said with the warlock intelligence one i would argue that the idea is that because you you had to be some level charismatic to to I negotiate think, a deal with this higher being yeah and that's why it's charismatic because you're every time you cast a it's spell also the strength of your word it's the same as the paladin's oath um, it's like yeah. your your powers are based on the strength of your word, the, the strength of your character, your 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 will. Yeah. Um, I I think the idea is that like, you know, your the charisma is I, I've made a deal. So every time I cast Eldritch Blast, I am, I'm petitioning, I'm asking yes. of my patron to let me do this in the moment. I think that's Therefore, why. They're, sorry, that would be that's probably why the charisma actually is because you are petitioning another being for power. Every single time you do something magical, you are you're asking, hey, can I use this? Cool. And then you're doing the thing. But I think that's why you're... Every single moment you cast a spell as a warlock is a negotiation with your patron to say, hey, that th will you pass me that thing? Thank you very much. And then you Eldritch Blast someone. Off of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's see here now. I'm afraid I think I've, I've mostly ran out of mine, I think, now. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna end on one here, which is not a hot take, but I thought someone is there someone... one is there one in that thread that's just absolutely batch it that we can just mock for like five minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see here now. I'm only joking, really, but like, it's any anything interesting. Oh mm, no, bad take. Not even a hot take, just a bad take. Short rest should be five to ten minutes. Long rest should be thirty minutes to an hour. No. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, no. Uh, if you want to play a slightly faster paced game, I guess maybe the five to ten minute one. But the idea of a long rest is that you're sleeping for the night. Yeah, I was, so. I was just going to be like, okay, long rest for thirty minutes. How about I come over to your house half an hour after you've been asleep and wake you the fuck up? Would you feel rested? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here now. Uh, Paladins can be any alignment as long as it matches your god. I would agree. Yeah, and I think the I think the oaths 
being based on specifically the oath you make rather than the god you serve allows a lot of that if, particularly if you look like there's a lot of room to be an evil paladin these days yeah you got conquest you got vengeance you got uh oathbreaker um this what? is a good don't wrap it it, it, it would be hard evil. to sorry vengeance is not evil specific tenants of vengeance fight the bigger evil what well what i'm saying is that well, yeah, that's actually one thing. That's kind of a thing, actually, as I feel like paladins are somewhat restricted by their oath. I feel like there should be maybe some customization options in the oath you take. I, so maybe I, I like three it, options. Or... I, I, I don't know. I kind of like, I like having, these are how you should, because these are how you should act for your paladin. Because then, like, if you're, how do you, how do you be an oathbreaker paladin if you don't have things to break? Uh, well, no, I, I agree. But I, and, I, and I like the idea that you have tenants, a, a set of rules you live by. And that, that very much feeds into the idea that you're an oath sworn individual. Yeah. My problem is just that I feel like sometimes they're, I, I, you know, they usually give you four tenants to pick from, or four tenants that you follow. True four. I wish each of those four had pre-options and you could chop and change them to customize uh, oaths that you've sworn. And they could be like, one of them might be, like, I, I would like to be a conquest paladin that's like, and you could do this, but again, conquest paladins are kind of bad because they have a whole thing where it's like, douse, douse the, the flame, flame of hope. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, uh, try try and swing a, a lawful good character whose idea of is to douse the flames of hope from their from their enemies. Douse the flame um, of hope from evildoers. Uh, yeah. Again, it's a bit of a stretch, though. You know I, 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 you're I you're a judge, Dredd. Like... You're that's who you are. You're a judge, Dredd. If you're a conquest paladin, really. Yeah, pretty much. But I I would like in a, like for example, in place of that, and a good alignment option for that kind of thing is instead of douse the flames of hope, it's um it's I don't know. Crush uh, the seeds of evil where they grow. Yeah, sort of, or or, or like uh, See, it or can't, terror, it can't be terrorize like, evil back to where it, whence it came. Yeah, it you can't know? be a soft touch because it's conquest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe terrorize evil back to to whence it came. So you know, you're not just killing a devil; you're banishing it back to its realm and it's never to return again. Uh, and like that could be a thing. You could be conquesting over evil beings. I wish there was more flexibility that way. That's just uh, that sounds very similar to Oath of the Watchers. Uh, actually, yeah, also the Watchers is, is more yeah. or less that. I, I, I kind of uh, like them because, like, I, I just remember, I remember the Vengeance ones so well because I always kind of try and, I tried to keep them in mind when I was playing to kind of inform roleplay. But, like, they're, they're pretty solid. Like, one of them, I, like, I can only really remember two big ones right now, but it was um Fight the Bigger Evil. Oh, sorry, it was, like, Fight the Bigger Evil. So, like, if you're, if you're in a town and, like, the mayor of the town is a bad guy and he's serving, like, a demon lord, you don't go and kill the mayor first, you go and kill the demon. Yeah. Um, and then the second one I think was um shit, I just lost it again. Uh yeah, it was Fight the Bigger Evil. Um the last was one was one like enact vengeance for those who cannot do it themselves was one of them. Yeah, it was like Fight the Bigger it... Evil. There, I think that might have been the second one. And then the third one was like uh, if you fail, make restitution. Yeah, yeah. And like I was like, Oh, that's a good one. Like if you fail, make restitution. Ooh, mm. I like that a lot. Oh no, I think it's like if some it was something along the lines of like if someone is harmed through your own inaction or something like that, or if you fail to prevent something from happening, it's up to you to make restitution to it. Yeah, like inaction is just as bad as yeah. negative action. Yeah. Uh, Martin, I have one final hot take for you here before we wrap up. Go on. Uh, and it's quite quite a nice one. Okay. Uh, we're gonna end on today. We're gonna end on a positive note. Hot takes are meaningless because people should just change the game to suit their own needs. Fucking absolutely. Yes. Thank you very much, Fungin Mentor. <laughs> You are indeed a fun gym mentor with that with that attitude. Yeah. Kudos. No, dead on. Um, at the end of the day, guys, all these hot takes as, as oh, fun, fun as gym, about... not fun gym. Ah, yes. Oh no, fun gym. Yeah, it's a dungeon, but it's fun. Um, oh. like like uh like not tomb of annihilation. Um, Ooh, there's a hot take. But yeah, at, 
at the at the end not that it's not fun but it is it's a grueling dungeon call um at the end of the day guys hot takes for as well as much as they're fun to talk about and argue about and everything um play the game how you like uh we're all here to have fun we're all here to have a good time no one's got to get angry about it no one's got to get worked up you play your way i play my way maybe we play together sometime it all works out <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah again just like um oh yes i suppose like if you have any like fun D or D hot takes please do uh send them on to us at the mike flares i would i would love i would love to um, hear everyone i i actually takes. would love to come back to this and do uh, a bunch of like like reviewing other people's hot takes uh, i might i might do that i might put out a, i might put out an old tweet tweet on the mike flares account asking for your D hot takes and maybe we can come back to this another day yes please yes please so martin yes connor that's all the time we have for today. Ooh, it's, it's been a good one. I've actually really, really I actually really enjoyed talking about D and D hot takes. Good, good variety in this one. Nice variety in yeah. this episode. And next time, I will. Maybe there just won't be anything like I guess this is a hot take when I'm doing my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you have any questions you'd like to ask us, stories you'd like to share, or topics you would like us to cover, please tweet us at Mike Flair's Pod on mm-hmm. Twitter. You can see it there in the lower screen. Uh, you can also follow our podcast on both YouTube and Spotify. Indeed. Uh, Martin, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, mostly I can be found here on the Mike Flares podcast, um, Friday evenings. Uh, you can also find me on... Um, I, can, I went for my Twitch first there, weirdly. But you can find me on Twitter at So Sorry It's Over, which is in the bottom right-hand corner there. Um, our, our Mike Flares Twitter account also on the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. Um, I'm doing... I've actually started streaming a little more again. I'm currently um, jumping into the uh, Irish expansion for uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I just arrived I, in Dublin. I've, I've heard the accents are diabolical. I've, do you know what, to be fair to the game, uh, I've seen one or two that are pretty solid but there was one I was like this lad's from Ratfarnham what's going on here <laughs> like you know and there was another like there's one of the oh there's one of the main NPCs and like I can clearly tell you're an English person doing an Irish accent that's supposed to be tinted with Viking and I'm just like Ugh! like he calls him da and I'm just like <laughs> no uh, but yeah I'm doing a bit of that uh, also um, a, a, bit of, a bit of streaming from the PS5 so that's been a lot of fun um, yeah but those are the main places you can find me on the internet what about yourself Connor? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at zero point Connor Z E R O P O Y N T C O N O R one N very important. And as always, you can find me here on the Mike Flares podcast every Friday at six PM Irish time on YouTube and Spotify. Indeed. So guys, uh, thank you very much for watching. It's a goodbye from me, and it's a goodbye from me, and we'll see you all next time. Bye bye.